You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Great to be with you guys. My name is Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. And next Sunday is uh, Baptism Sunday. It's also grand opening. So we've got about 18, 19 folks already signed up to be baptized Uh, And if you haven't done that and you want to do that, I encourage you to go online and do that today. Uh, We we actually invite parents uh, to be involved in the baptisms or um, uh, friends and family members that have maybe had a big impact on your life as well. Uh, We'll give you a shirt so you can just show up in in what you're wearing. All the information you need to see is online, but we've got a shirt I want to show you. Go ahead and stand up, Cameron. Everybody say hi, Cameron. And right beside him is Miles. These are our youth leaders. We're kicking off a new youth ministry uh, starting up on Sunday afternoons. It's all on the website. You can check it out. Uh, but you'll grab one of those shirts, and then we'll, we'll do baptisms next Sunday. And it's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be a grand opening season. So if your friends and family miss next weekend, uh, we're going to have a great season of just incredible testimonies and teaching uh, in God's Word. This morning, we're going to be continuing on in our series. Before we get started, I'd like to pray. Um, President Trump and the White House issued today actually a national day of prayer. So um, I want to just open up the service and uh, pray for those that are down in Houston. I called my uncle uh, yesterday, uh, and I'm thankful that he to report he's okay, and a lot of my family members are okay. Um, I had one cousin. Um, her backyard is flooded entirely, and uh, many of you probably have friends or family connected down there. So let's offer up a prayer uh, for God's... Uh, peace on, on the residents down in Houston, Louisiana, anybody that's been affected by that uh, Hurricane Harvey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we pause in our service just to give recognition uh, to those that are hurting and are experiencing incredible loss this morning. Um, they're likely filling in churches all around the, the Houston area and beyond in, in Louisiana looking for hope. We invite your Holy Spirit now to minister in great power and great peace upon all those families. Lord, we thank you for our, our church. We thank you for our community. And God, we pray for those that are struggling. And as, as your word says, those who are strong help the weak. God, give us wisdom on how we can help uh, when our country is in need. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be thinking about how we can participate and help out with Hurricane Harvey, and uh, just ask that you pray for now uh, for those, those individuals that are affected by that. Um, you know, this morning we're looking at Daniel chapter 6. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to work through 28 verses, and I've chosen key words to help kind of walk us through the text here this morning. And Dr. Uh, Deal spoke last week and did an incredible job, and he said, uh, a courageous faith is a tested faith. Uh, Some of you are going through tremendous adversity, and uh, maybe are very anxious. Uh, Every day, there's about 2.5 million people that check in to the hospital for anxiety. Uh, We live in an anxious world, and uh, right now, we're going to be looking at Daniel, and he is rising to power. and yet he keeps a level head all through it. And he's going to face tremendous adversity. He's going to be tossed to the lion's den, not metaphorically, but literally. Nebuchadnezzar has fallen. The Medo-Persian Empire is now ruling. 
King Darius is in charge, and Daniel's still alive. He's not simply surviving in Babylon, he's thriving. Uh, the kingdom has fallen to the Medes and the Persians, and Daniel's pushing 90 years old. He's not a young boy. He's a seasoned veteran of the faith. He's uh, been in a political advisor position in Babylon. Kings have come and kings have, kings have gone, and Daniel stands in the midst of an anxious world in Babylon. He'll be our example this morning of what it looks like to navigate through tumultuous times, anxious times. Uh, he is going to, uh, we're going to see his life unfold. The first thing we're going to see in chapter uh, 6, verse 1, starting there, it says, It pleased Darius, that's the king, uh, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps uh, to be throughout the whole kingdom. These guys would have been uh, regional leaders that would enforce um, Babylon's rule and reign. Uh, they're in charge, and they've says, uh, continue on in verse 2, and over them three high officials. Uh, it's a political organizational structure of whom Daniel was one. Daniel has uh, tremendous power. He has tremendous uh, influence. Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so the king might suffer no loss. Oftentimes these regional leaders would collect uh, taxes and tributes and bring them back. And Daniel was a man of integrity that was trusted with finances. Verse 3 says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit in, was in him. In other words, some of your translations might say uh, an attitude. He had an incredible attitude in the midst of adversity. Um, you know in your workplace, the people that you work with, the people that have a great attitude... And it makes, it makes the biggest difference in everything. It says, the Bible says, is that Daniel was distinguished. He was different. Above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And it says, and the king planned, so the king had a plan, was to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, I want you to know something about being promoted. Whenever you see somebody succeed, you need to realize that there was a price to be paid. There's a, a great value that takes hard work, long, hard hours, practice, practice, practice. Any success was not made without a sacrifice. Daniel was a long, faithful servant. If you see the athletes, they're fastened to their field and to their practices. If you look at the artists, they're fastened and riveted to their canvas, or the musician to the piano, or the preacher ought to be chained to his Bible and his prayers, and the teacher connected and fastened to their classroom. Success comes at a sacrifice. Daniel has paid in the years. He's pushing 90. He's pushing nine decades of his life. He spent, uh, he'll spend about a total of seven decades, eight decades in Babylon serving. So anytime there's a promotion, you know some people get jealous. Watch what happens there's a plot that forms against Daniel. It says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find grounds for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. They didn't like the king's plan, how Daniel's being promoted. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was what? Faithful. He was incredibly faithful. 
and no error or no fault was found in him. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection uh, with, uh, in connection with the law of his God. These guys want to criticize Daniel. Um, they want to put him down so they can elevate themselves. There's a plot against Daniel, and they, they're having trouble trying to figure out how in the world they're going to uh, demote him or uh, push him down so they can elevate themselves. Look at verse 6. Then, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Formal announcement in which you approach a, a, an ancient king in Babylon. Verse 7, and all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish, listen to this, an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Uh, what they're doing is they're asking this uh, suggestion that maybe that uh, King Darius be elevated to the status of like a deity. If you study uh, Roman culture, you remember the Caesars. Uh, there was a time period in Roman culture where the Caesars were upheld like a god. And they instituted emperor worship in ancient Rome. If you look at the Egyptians, they had the kings were pharaohs. And they were idolized and treated as if they were a god. In this ancient Babylonian culture, it wasn't uncommon to be elevated a human, to be a human king, to be elevated to a status of deity. And what they're suggesting is that maybe just for 30 days, Darius can be God. And anybody that prays to another person or another individual or another God is going to be tossed into the lion's den. This is a real lion's den, a literal den. A lion's den would have been uh, a form of capital punishment much more brutal than the forms of capital punishment that we face today, would have been on the mountainside. They would have a tunnel that would lead in so you could lure the lions in, and they would pack the den out with ferocious lions. And then from the top, uh, then, then they, or from the side, they would roll a big stone over that, uh, that, that entrance or exit for the lions. And then from the top, uh, they would have a big steel grate so everybody could see the criminals brutally uh, killed by the lions. And so this lion's den is the plot against Daniel. If he's going to be unfaithful to the king, let's suggest he gets thrown into the lion's den, they say. Verse 8, oh, now, O king, establish the injunction and the sign and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Once it's set into motion, it can't be revoked. At least that's the way they're seeing it. Verse 9, Therefore, the king, Darius, signed the document and the injunction. Now what we're going to see is Daniel's response. He finds out about this decree to worship King Darius, which is direct violation to the Mosaic law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verse 10, we see the prayer of Daniel start. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. The Bible says that the first thing he did was he prayed. The prayer oftentimes today, we think of prayer as the last resort. Man, it, man well, I guess we better pray. We're down to nothing. We got to pray. 
prayer for Daniel wasn't the last resort, it was his first recourse. That's the very first thing he does, and he actually gives thanks, which I find to be really encouraging to see that. The benefits of prayer are huge. According to research, there are at least 47 scientifically proven benefits to prayer. I'm going to name a few, not 47. Prayer prevents memory loss. That would have been good for Daniel because he's pushing 90. Prayer slows mental decline. Prayer reduces dementia. Prayer reduces the risk of Alzheimer's. It it increases the ability to be relieved from pain. It reduces the risk of heart attack. It lessens anxiety and depression. It actually improves the immune system and more. Prayer is a big deal. Daniel prays as soon as he prays, not as a last resort, but a first recourse. Let's continue looking at the tail end of verse 10. It says, he got down on his knees and three times a day prayed and gave thanks to his God as he had done what? Previously. This was a pattern, a discipline. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They caught him in the act. He's prayed to his God, not prayed to Darius. And so look, we see the prosecution of Daniel, verse 12. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Verse 13, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed that makes the petition, and he makes petition three times a day. Daniel violated the law not once, not twice, but three times. Daniel, remember, he was kidnapped from Jerusalem, brought into Babylon, and he now is in deep, deep trouble. Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Let me stop there just for a moment, verse 14, and look at that. King Darius had signed this decree. Now he wants to get him out of trouble. Why is that? That's because Daniel had earned a reputation. The Bible says that he had an excellent spirit in him, meaning he had an incredible attitude. He was incredibly competent. He was a political advisor to the king. He was very, very valuable to the king's uh, preceding Darius. He had earned a reputation, and now he served faithfully for years and years, and now this king is distressed. He's anxious, and he sets his mind to deliver Daniel, Daniel and try to rescue him. Let's look at verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. He's in a predicament. He's in a great problem. The king can't change it, or he's going to face, if he does, he's going to face incredible political uh, resistance. Starting in verse 16, we see the king's response and resolve. The king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel this, notice this, listen to the tone of Darius. He says, speaking to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. 
Darius was sympathetic towards Daniel because he had seen how valuable Daniel was. Darius probably befriended Daniel. Uh, When you have friends around you that really help you out through hard times, they're invaluable to you. You you need them. Darius has realized stopping all the politics, stopping all his uh, daily grind of running the Babylonian empire, he's about to lose a trusted counselor in his cabinet. Says this, let's continue on in verse 16. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone, verse 17, and a stone uh, was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing can, might be changed concerning Daniel. I think he did that with a sense of frustration that he made a stupid mistake. Verse 18, it says this, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. That's what you do when you want something to change. You just can't even eat. You don't even want to eat. It says no diversions were brought to him. Kings, when they were stressed out and freaked out, they got more wine and more women to relieve their, their, their tensions. And what he says here is no diversions. He was not going to partake in anything. He didn't want any food, didn't want any girls, didn't want anything. It says they were brought to him and yet sleep fled from him. He was, knew that he had made a terrible mistake, that Daniel's uh, death was imminent, that being in the lion's den was a, a dangerous situation. It was facing death. Some of you today are in a lion's den. What do I mean by a lion's den? A lion's den is worse than a crisis. A crisis means that there's some danger ahead, but a lion's den experience is imminent danger and impending doom when you sense there's no way out. That's the issue that Daniel's facing. And Darius knows it. Some of you are going through a lion's den experience in life right now. You've got relational turmoil. You don't see any way out of there. You feel like you've been fed to the lions and slowly and surely you're going to die. Some of you, your health is failing and you don't know how you can find healing or find hope. Or maybe some of you have lost your job and you're experiencing the, the struggle with the loss of employment. And you're asking God, where are you in the midst of my lion's den experience? Some of you have lost a child or lost a loved one. And you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it through this hard time. I've got good news for you. God's made a promise for all believers for all times that they will be able to persevere. Doesn't mean that they're going to make it uh, and be delivered from this lion's den experience. It means that in the end, they will persevere and experience eternal life forever. Daniel, we see the, the preservation of Daniel in verse 19. He had to go through that lion's den, but he's going to be preserved. Verse 19, then at the break of dawn, the king arose and went in in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. That was his friend. He knew he'd made a big mistake. He's looking down through that steel grate, wondering if Daniel's going to be there alive. The king declared to Daniel, oh Daniel, servant of the living God, 
Has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said, in a steady and calm and diplomatic voice, O king, live forever. He didn't retaliate in anger. He didn't say, you fool, why did you betray me? He speaks with incredible faithfulness of knowing his role in Babylon. Verse 22 says, Daniel speaks up. And he speaks out. He says, my God, send his angel to shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. Let me stop right there. Daniel thought it was really important, first and foremost, that he be at peace with God. That he knew that this situation went wrong. That he found himself in trouble, in danger, in facing death. And the first thing he says, I need you to know something, Darius. I'm blameless before God. God is preserving me because there's nothing I've done wrong. When you go through a really hard time, sometimes you realize you got yourself there. You made a mistake. You did something foolish and dumb, and you found yourself in a terrible situation. And what you got to do first and foremost is ask the Lord, Lord, am I blameless in this situation or not? If you got some, some, something in there, you got to deal with that. And Daniel here is one who was incredibly faithful, had an excellent attitude, and he says this, I was found blameless before him. But then he turns the corner and talks about his role and responsibility in the kingdom. That he didn't cause any harm in his relationship with the king. Says this, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Daniel's just stating it like it is. He's got a relationship with the king, and he didn't mean him any harm. He was simply doing what he'd always done, has been faithful to serve the Lord. Verse 23, then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. They likely lowered down a rope, pulled Daniel out, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Next, we're going to see that there's a a punishment of the king. Daniel doesn't retaliate. The king takes care of it. The Bible says, uh, don't try to repay evil for evil. That vengeance is the Lord's. And here, what we see is the king in his fury of finding out the fakes and the phonies and the fraudsters in his uh, advisory board, he's going to make them pay. Not only them, but all their family as well. Verse 24, And the king commanded, And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, they maliciously did that, accused Daniel, were brought and cast into the den of lions, and their children. You think, that's terrible. It is terrible. The the child uh, at this time, if they saw their mom and dad tossed to the lion's den, but they lived, what would they do? Spend their entire life waiting and growing up, seeking to take out Darius. And so Darius says, we've got to wipe it all out. The punishment of the king is swift. The punishment of the king is without much mercy at all, we see. And Daniel didn't retaliate like that. When Daniel earlier, when he was uh, falsely accused, he sought to forgive the evildoers. But the king here punishes these uh, individuals and their families. It says that Daniel, uh, they were 
cast into the den of lions, their children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. It was a swift punishment. These are brutal lions. It's not, they weren't, uh, uh, Daniel wasn't tossed into a, 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 just a den of lions where there's just a few and they didn't have teeth or they weren't very strong. These were powerful lions, so many that this large group of people, before they even hit the ground, they're torn to pieces. Darius turns the corner and he makes a proclamation. Verse 25, the king Darius wrote to all the peoples and the nations and languages that dwell in all the earth and says this, peace be multiplied to you. It's interesting, he finally realizes that Daniel's God is the God above every other God. That Daniel's God is the real true living God. Darius probably had a good intuition and sensed the flattery in his political advisory board trying to make him out to be a God. He says, verse 26, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Now, this is an empire-wide proclamation about the God of Daniel. And continue on in verse 26, for he is the living God. He is not dead, he is alive. When you look at the cross today, you don't see Jesus on the cross. You see a cross because Jesus was buried and he was resurrected. He is the living God. He is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. He's omnipotent, means he's all-powerful. He is the living God. He's alive today. And look what it says. He's enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. That's the God. That's the God Daniel serves. And that's the God that here King Darius wants to make known in Babylon. That's the God of Daniel. Last we see in closing is just the prosperity of Daniel. You can't keep a good man down. He's incredibly faithful. And his faithfulness pays off. Verse 28, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel just continued not to simply survive, but he thrived. He grew where he was planted. Some of you are frustrated in the position that you're in, and you're feeling like, I'm in a tough spot, but maybe God has you in that position, in that place, so that you can bloom and blossom. Sometimes it's the hard times that make us strong and show off God's goodness, God's strength. Daniel prospers at the end of this. And this isn't a safe environment. This isn't an awesome Christian or a godly environment that he's in. He's in a, a, a powerful pagan empire where his values are completely in opposition to the world around him. So what about for you and me? What are the lessons from the lion's den of life? The first thing I want to encourage you to think about is that as we've looked at this series, is remember that God promised to help you out, not bail you out. Daniel needed to stay down in that lion's den. God had a plan and a purpose. When Daniel was down to nothing, God was up to something. The entire Babylonian empire is going to hear about the name and fame of God 
Daniel's God. But it took a lion's den to get that done. Some of you need to just realize that the Holy Spirit is the uh, second person of the Trinity. God the Father, well, the Son and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And He wants to help you. He is the helper. And you simply need to call out on Him in your time of trouble and ask for help. God, would you help me get through what I'm going through? God's help is promised. He didn't promise that you would be bailed out. When we look back on the Christian history, I think of, uh, I think of gentlemen like Polycarp, John's disciple in the first century, where he was professing Christianity and Rome was raging against Christians because they thought they were weird. They did things like drink the blood of Jesus and eat his body, and that was communion. So Christians were weird. Polycarp was a disciple of John, uh, the uh, follower of Jesus. And Polycarp was tied to the stake in ancient Rome. And they said, he's 86 years old. And they say to him, deny Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And he says this, and at, at 86 years old, he goes, I've served him 86 years and he's always been good to me. Why would I deny my friend now? 86 years. And he dies at the stake. He's burned to death. Goes down in Christian history as a martyr. Peter uh, was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded in Rome. Isaiah was sawed in half. Christianity is not a promise that you're always going to get delivered, but there is a promise that in the midst of your trial, God promises to be there and to give you incredible courage to make it through whatever you're going through. And God wants to use your life for a grander purpose, and you've got to believe that this life is not all that there is, that this is a small time and space and eternity. And that's the promise, that you get eternal life. You will be eternally preserved, not necessarily earthly preserved. God promises to help you out, not bail you out. I want to encourage you to think about this, to be active in your faith. Be active. Make a bold move for God, remembering that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of active faith. It's okay to be afraid. Some of you are going through a hard time right now. You've lost a loved one. You're financially struggling. There's a relational uh, tension or struggle. And you're wondering, how, how am I going to get through this? I'm scared. God wants to take that fear and go, let me, let me help you. I'm going to add to it a courageous faith. That will give you, you need to take an action. There's always a fear in faith because it's the unknown. Some of you just need to keep taking day by day a courageous step of faith and realize that God's calling you to live a life of action. Do something. Make a move. Make a change. Some of you, you've tried little changes to overcome an addiction or overcome a struggle. You make little changes, you'll get little results. You make big changes, you usually get big results. So you, 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 I want to encourage you as we look at the life of Daniel. He was, not a, he was not afraid to do what's right. He was afraid more so to do what was wrong. He wanted to just follow God and do what he knew was right. Open your Bibles, read, pray, spend time with the Lord. Number three, we're going to learn that start, starting spiritual disciplines help us overcome adversity. The level of your discipline. Of, of, in prayer or in reading God's Word will determine the level that you can overcome adversity. 
There's an inner strength that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And usually, the message that we preach on a Sunday morning ought to be the fuel, the igniter, the catalyst for you to keep walking day after day in a rhythm, in a relationship with the Lord. Spiritual uh, disciplines are vital for your spiritual health. I want to encourage you a couple of things. Socrates said it like this, if you want to move the world, learn to move yourself first. You've got to make a move for yourself. You can't control the whole world, but you can control you. John Wesley said this, the soul and the mind make the man, but the spirit and the disciplines make a Christian. Jesus spent time in solitude, the discipline of spending time alone. Daniel did the same thing. He would break away. When trouble hit, uh, prayer was his first recourse, not his last resort. Jesus, when he was uh, facing his ministry, spent 40 days alone. Jesus, in busy seasons of ministry, uh, left the crowds, got up early in the morning and found a quiet place to pray. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, went to the Garden of Gethsemane to get away to be in prayer. Practicing spiritual disciplines like solitude and prayer are incredibly important so that you can have this inner strength that comes through a vital relationship when Jesus has got uh, control of your heart. Disciplines will determine the level of uh, adversity that you can overcome. You need a habit. It takes time to develop a habit. Disciplines is the life of a disciple, making a daily discipline. I want to encourage you as well to focus on being faithful in every season and situation that you come through in life. Research shows that 80% of the world's greatest figures closed out active lifestyles between 58 and 80 years old. We tend to think that if you make it through 55 or 60, that, you know, it's time to just slow down and coast in life and think about retirement and all that good stuff. But history actually shows that the older you are, the more significant of wisdom and influence you actually possess. What do you choose to do with that? Daniel's pushing 90. I think for us that are young, we need to think about, I want to encourage us to think about it like this. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time and we underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. Set goals based on when I'm 90, I want to have all this done in my life. I'm not going to say you're going to live to 90. I don't know, but a lot of people do. Faithfulness is a big deal. Focus on being faithful in every season of life and situation. That's what we see in Daniel. Great men like Michelangelo executed his last judgment painting, perhaps the most famous picture in the world, the most beautiful picture in the Sistine Chapel in Vatican City. He was pushing 90 when he did that. John Wesley preached the almost undiminished eloquence at 88. He had 4,000 sermons. He preached all around the world in his day and time. Edison was inventing things at 90. Wright was considered a creative architect at 90 years old. J.C. Penney was a great Christian working strenuously at his desk at 95. Daniel was pushing 90 at the end of his life and legacy. You want a legacy? Be faithful. That's your mission. Billy Graham was asked, what do you want for your life? And he said this, I want to be found faithful at the very end. 
Faithfulness is what we need. I want to encourage you as well to do this. Cast your anxieties on God. Do not carry them. The Bible says it like this. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Don't carry them. Cast them. Literally means like to, to toss them off. Like say, God, you worry about it because I've worried enough. I want to invite up Meredith Seaborn, a staff member, director of North Valley Kids, to share with you about the importance of that verse in her life. Would you welcome Meredith? Well, Meredith, I know that verse has meant a lot to you, and you have gone through like the lion's den of life, and it started at a very early age. Tell us about when you went through the biggest lion's den experience. Yeah, so when I was eight years old, I was in the third grade, and I thought I was um, a really good girl. You know, I worked to please my parents. I went to school. I had good grades. I loved sports and active. But one day, it came that my arm started hurting, and it was unusual for me to complain or, or be, you know, out of sorts. So eventually, my mom would take me to the doctor, and from one day, I was going to school and doing everything that I normally do to the next day into this doctor's office, who sent me to the next hospital, to the next doctor's office. Um, And within a week, they had deemed that I had leukemia. I had cancer, and it was attacking my joints in my elbow. And that's how they discovered it. And then three days after that diagnosis, my parents actually um, signed the papers, and their, their marriage was over. They had a divorce. And so it was just like the bottom had just fallen out right from underneath me. You're eight years old. You find out you have cancer. And by the way, your mom and dad are getting a divorce. Right. And so then you have to probably figure out which home you're going to live in. And so no relational security, no right. physical security. Yeah. And, and you had friends that were going through cancer too. Tell me about that. Right. So part of the initiative they had at this hospital at Texas Children's, they sent us to camp, summer camp actually. And I have a picture I'd like to share. Um, and I'm on the bottom right. And these girls, I was trying to befriend because we were going through some of the similar situations. And I really saw how God preserved my life because even in those relationships, the two girls sitting on the bench next to me, Minnie and Aaron, um, God took their life with cancer. They didn't survive. So there was really no reason that I shouldn't have died too. God could have, cancer's terrible, right? And you could have justified, well, she had cancer and she died. But he, he chose to preserve me. And in that... Um, really grew me because in those days in the hospital, I had a teacher that I had been my Sunday school teacher probably three or four years prior. I hadn't seen her in a long time. And she came to visit me. um, And she brought me this bookmark um, to encourage me. And on it, it says, First Peter, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And that really planted a seed in my heart in that that time. And how has that verse meant? the world of difference to you now as an adult. And now I think it just set that foundation for me that I don't need to carry my problem, my worries. God, there's, there's a God who's bigger than me and he cares for me and he sees me even in what felt like a tumultuous, a terrible situation. I didn't know what was going to happen to me or which way I was going to go, but God was there with me um, and he cared for me and he preserved me through that for a reason. And then it also activated my heart because I... I look back at that and I go, I want to be Nancy Davis, the teacher who brought that to me. I want to be the one that goes out and plants the seed in someone else's life, which is what's prompted me to be a North Valley Kids teacher. Yeah. 
And you've done an incredible job. And I think, you know, what I love about this story the most is that is Nancy Davis yes. gives you the Scripture as God's Word for your hope. I think one of the things that we need to realize is that when we're going through a hard time, we need a power that's bigger than ours. We need, we need something that's way beyond us. And there's an eternal truth in the Scriptures. And civilization has uh, different histories have tried to eradicate the, the eternal Scriptures. And in time and time again, it finds itself to be priceless. And we were preparing this message, and I came on that text, and I talked about the great importance of casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And then I found out that you had that, that verse as part of your life story. It was powerful. It was powerful. Can we celebrate that for a moment? Yeah. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for Meredith. Thank you for her life. And Lord, thank you that you used the lion's den experience so that she could be a voice of truth in an anxious world for so many little kids today. Lord, when we look around in the, the state of our, 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 our youth and our children, they, many of them are growing up and they, they're, they're anxious. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the uh, honesty and, and the, uh, the discipline of Meredith to rely upon your word through challenging, life-threatening times of losing her health and Lord losing her, her stability in her home and your great love has sustained her you care for her you care for us Lord we choose in faith to cast our anxieties on you and give you great thanks that you care for us that you love us that you want to help us out in the midst of a hard time in Jesus name everybody said thank you for listening to become a supporter of North Valley Community Church give online today at northvalleychurch.org